0: If you want to keep more, earn more, and make more money, you're in the right place. I've spent over 10 years learning from the most brilliant minds in money, wealth, and investing to take myself from 20K in debt to a seven figure investment portfolio. Join in as I share the secrets towards more growth, money, investing, and ultimately freedom. My name is Simone Mercer Huggins, and welcome to Ms. Wealthy's Kiss My Money podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Leanne. I'm so happy to have you on here. I know a little bit about your background and story and I'm excited to share it. Now, for those of you who don't know Leanne, she is a very busy entrepreneur, a business coach, a yogi, a wife and a mom. And I want to talk to you about your history and also about what you do now and about health. But thanks for coming on. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah. Listen, I, I want to dive into your story because I think it's something that so many people can relate to and give a little bit of perspective if current people in it are in financial turmoil or have experienced <laughs> massive money stress and kind of hear your perspective on it. But before we do, I do want to jump into four quick rapid fire questions to get to know okay. First one Where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in a place called Diamond Bar. It's um, right outside of LA, kind of on the border of LA and Orange County.
0: Nice, nice area. (laughs) Um, What's your favorite quote?
1: Oh, uh, my favorite quote. Um, It would be something to the effect of if you are what you should be, you'll set the world on fire.
0: Oh, that's good. That's really strong. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, Number three, what is one thing you love spending money on? (laughs) Um, I love spending
1: money on health and wellness. Mm. I have more health and wellness gadgets um, and I have wheatgrass delivered by the freezer that you would ever imagine. (laughs)
0: Amazing. (laughs) Um, All right, and final, what does money mean to you? Money means choice. Yeah, it's the ability to be
1: able to choose from a place of what you want as opposed to what you can afford.
0: Yeah, amazing. That's beautiful. Um, All right, let's talk about your past because (laughs) I know we're going like deep straight away, right? (laughs) Yeah. But when we connected and you shared a little bit about, you know, what's happened throughout your life, and, you know, I know many people that have lost tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars and not everyone gets back up, not everyone recovers from the hurt and pain and stress that is kind of caused by it and it can create such an intense impact on your relationship with money and also what you think you can do and it can leave massive emotional scars so I don't. maybe we should just go straight back to the kind of beginning <laughs> and yeah. tell us kind of what happened. To so yeah. it's kind of ironic. As
1: I was 18, I was driving to the Colorado River, and I got in a car accident. We were driving at about 5 a.m. and um, fell asleep, found myself, kind of woke up going across the lane down an embankment and looked in my review mirror and stopped inches before a telephone pole. I was able just to drive my car back on the road and was fine, and we went water skiing. However, another childhood friend was on the way to meet us up there, and he got in a car accident a few hours later, and his car swerved off the road, and they weren't able to correct it, and he ended up dying. Um, And it was someone that I had gone to preschool with uh, and literally lived at the bottom of my street. So from that, I was in the state of just feeling a deeper meaning in life, that there was not a sense of frivolousness. And I decided to go stay with my dad in Northern California for the summer. And I worked for my dad. I had some credit cards that I had racked up my first year of college, not realizing that Mm. credit cards, I had to be paid back. Um, Yeah, that's a common story. (laughs) Right, I think I had about $3,500 in credit card bills. So I was working for my dad doing jobs. Um, Mm. And... I remember having this conversation with my dad over uh, by his barn and I said, dad, I want you to show me what you do. Um, And my dad had, he had been a police officer in South Pasadena and a murder detective. And then he got sick of LA and moved up to the mountains and then became a realtor and bought a lot of rental properties. So he had 27 properties at the time. And he said, he said, kid, you don't have to because everything I have goes to you girls, myself and my two sisters. Now, my parents had been divorced, and he was remarried, um, and my dad was 49 at the time, which is ironic because I'm 49 right now,
0: Um,
1: and then I went back, and I was in college down in San Diego, and my dad had a 52-foot sailboat that he had sold to a good friend of his, and then the friend didn't know how to sail, so my dad took the boat back, (laughs) and this boat was just harbored in San Diego, and I said, hey, dad what about if I live on your boat while I'm in college? And he said, yeah, okay, made sense. And so here I was in college living on this big sailboat, um, and then my dad died in a car accident a couple of months later. So I went my back God. to school in August, and he died in uh November. So he actually died on Thanksgiving Day.
0: Um, oh, my God, what? So that is just car accidents. It, it was devastating uh for somebody
1: who had been a police officer had you know been in high-speed chases and pursuits that to die in a car accident when my dad had lived this big life was actually um I don't want to say anticlimactic, but it just felt so unfair yeah um and so as hard as that was was losing my dad who was like this superhero larger than life always a song in his you know, whistling a song and, and cheery step, um, my stepmother went through some issues immediately after. And the challenge was, is that my dad died without a will, right? So, or no will that was ever found. So since all of the property had been purchased when he was married to my stepmother, it all became community property. And, um, she gave us nothing. Not only did she give us nothing, she stopped paying for the slip payment of the boat that I was living on. So I came home one day, literally from college, and I had a, a childhood friend that was living on the boat with me, and the boat was gone. So quite literally, I came home and you know walked to the slip, and there was no boat. My house was literally taken from me.
0: Holy um, crap. That's insane. Yeah. So
1: fortunately, she grabbed like a few pair of underwear and things off the boat so we could at least have those things and toiletries. But, you know, it was one of those moments where you're divinely supported by the universe. And her mom happened to be coming into town from Nebraska for an attorney's conference and staying on Harbor Island, which is if you've ever been to San Diego, you fly in and you see the marinas That's Harbor Island. So she was staying just one Marina down right on the same strip. So we stayed with her at the Hilton for a couple of days. And then I had got a job shortly after my dad died um, and went back to work and and figured I had to support myself really. Um, But what I remembered is what my dad taught me is I remembered how to, how to be resilient, how to be self-made, how to keep going. Right. Um, I think it also gave me at that young age a belief that there, like there's a, an, an importance in taking care of the people you love mm. and making sure that, that they are set up and safe. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that my dad dying without a will was irresponsible in some ways, especially given that he was remarried. I think he thought that nothing would ever happen and everyone knew his wishes. So, of course, it would go the way he thought. Mm. Um, But for me, it also allowed me to really, like, I came into a sense of having to get the grief out of my body. Yeah, yeah um and i i became very cognizant of that but it also gave me a sense that there's more to life than just hanging out and partying with your friends <laughs> so my yeah. college friends were like hanging out and partying and i'm dealing with all of this horrible grief and mm. trying to support myself and um and trying to really decide what i wanted to do uh you know for me it was i thought i was going to be a therapist i went to school and um i was supposed to go study abroad the next year and with my dad dying i had to work and life looks very different right. but I got to a school I went to grad school um, and then went on to work and to to be able to accumulate some wealth for myself but more importantly is really to learn that sense of resourcefulness yeah that no matter how bad it looks you can always find a way
0: yeah a way through such mm-hmm. I mean in honestly intense turmoil like right to go through that and when it happened like did you ever think that your stepmom would do something like that
1: no I mean it actually it pretty much became a train wreck story right we didn't even get my dad's personal effects she wouldn't give us his ashes she wouldn't give us like photo albums and stuff wow Um, and apparently she was remarried within a very short period of time I think she also had an alcohol problem which in talking to my uncle like my dad and my stepmom were probably fighting the night of the accident. Um, and right. I, I think that they were probably close to separating. Right. Which is, you know, the irony. So she got remarried right. to someone who I think what, had some substance issues. And uh, he ended up being shot by her sister's husband, boyfriend. Like this it was insane. a little, like, it, like it's insane. pretty much like a bad soap opera. Like it's like yeah. a child horrid thing and so then she um she you know would have all of these people up at up at the house they had eight and a half acres at their house and then she was like hanging out with circus people like (laughs) roadie like I don't even know the full story (laughs) like it's just bad it's bad but she um you know just really squandered everything he had
0: yeah absolutely
1: all of the properties to be repossessed because she couldn't deal with her emotional
0: state. Right. Right. And and you saw kind of nothing, like nothing was, and I, I'm not talking necessarily even about money, um, but nothing was handed down to you from your dad, like that you could cherish and hold on to about him. Right. right. And my dad was...
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think that those are the things that matter. Like my dad was a golden gloves boxer and he had like a robe that my grandmother had made. Yeah, And to not have that thing or memories of his childhood, or he had um, a 1944 that he had loved and, you know, those kinds of things Mm. Um, to not even have photos that he had. That was the biggest thing. But I think the problem is that she had got remarried and had this other guy's stuff in her house, that she at that point didn't know whose was whose. Wow. So uh, just a a train wreck of a story I did eventually about two years later, I kept just harassing her a little bit and writing her letters asking, saying, this is so unfair that I don't even have my dad's ashes. Just give me that, you know, you've lost all the money, Mm. but give me the things that matter. And so we ultimately did get his ashes and we were able to sprinkle his ashes off of a sailboat in oh, san diego years later huge. like actually like
0: within the last five years it oh. only took us 30 years but <laughs> well, and so i mean obviously you spoke about having that kind of resilience and and getting back up on you know on your feet and learning to work for yourself and be self-made how like how how did you stay strong through that and not carry that resentment i guess
1: you know well, that, i think it
0: was I yeah, think I think people can. Right. I knew
1: that that wasn't who my dad was and that wasn't the legacy. Like being the victim yeah, and feeling sorry for myself certainly wasn't going to get me what I wanted in my life. Yeah. I knew what I wanted in my life and being angry about a situation that I couldn't change wouldn't work. Yeah, um, For me, it was the first house that I actually bought on my own. I bought on the day of my dad's accident because I needed to reframe that date. So I needed November 19th to not be such a traumatic date. I needed to have something good associated with it. Yeah. So I consciously chose that date as the closing on my house.
0: That is a really that's an incredible way to look at it. Yeah, to completely reframe a date. Cause you're right. That impact can either go can go two, two ways. <laughs> wow. Awesome. You know, there's only meaning
1: in that which we give it. So the only meaning that date has is any date that I get, any meaning I give it. So I could give it to it the day that my dad was in a horrible accident or I can say the day that I liberated myself from, you know,
0: so many things. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, so after that, after that happened and you started working and kind of building your own life and then got to a place where you could buy your own property – Mm-hmm. you've i'm I'm guessing have you just kind of built on that and built on that foundation to continue to the way you are now
1: I have so it's I worked in drug development for years and I made some money and I put it away mm-hmm. um, and then after my husband and I got married i was I was consulting prior and i couldn't be a consultant and like be a mom so when our daughter was born, I quit my consulting job um, and I was home for five years almost Uh and then I I took a chunk of money that I had saved from when I was working in drug development and I opened my yoga studio
0: oh amazing yeah that's that's beautiful and and so how long have you been doing that into the yoga and health space um I've been doing yoga for about 24 years Uh and I have owned
1: a studio we're in our ninth year
0: oh wow that is (laughs) that's incredible a long time yeah, and so obviously, you know, and for those who list who are listening and kind of know the Ms. Wealthy brand, knows that when I talk about wealth, I talk about wealth in terms of not just money, but wealth in all things of your life. What's important to you, what you value, and health is such a big, you know, part of that. I think we all want love and we all want money, but we'll also need <laughs> health and um, you know, it's, it's a really big component of living a a fruitful life, I guess. And so what are the bigger things for you in the health space that, you know, I I guess mean the most? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, When I was working in drug development,
1: I was living in Philadelphia and I remember I would drive to work on the Schuylkill Expressway there and I would feel like I was literally going to throw up on my way to work. And so I knew that the stress of that job was affecting me physiologically. Yeah. Um, At the time I practiced yoga, one of the sons of the yoga guru uh, was in town. And I would notice that the mornings that I went and practiced yoga with him, I didn't feel like I was going to throw up. And so I did what any responsible, in quotes, (laughs) the 27-year-old would do. And I I quit my job and I went to India to study
0: yoga wow okay massive Um, change Mm -hmm. yeah so I did
1: that and then when I got to India I realized like the answers I was looking for I really didn't need to go to India to find yeah I just needed to get quiet enough to listen and when I came back I thought I was going to open a yoga studio and then I realized that my whole life was going to be flip-flopped of everybody I knew that I would be working in the evenings and have the days off and um it wasn't the right time. So I did go back into my corporate career, but I went back in a very different way, Mm. in a much more balanced way Mm -hmm. that allowed me to be able to, to do the things I wanted to do because I had made the money that I was making. Yeah. Where so many people think like, oh, I want to do this thing, but they're making no money. So they can't do the thing they want to do.
0: Right. So they
1: may be time rich, but cash poor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's a really, it's a really big lesson for so many people um, that uh, in a career job that maybe they don't love uh, and, you know, either want to do something that they're passionate about and love and, mm-hmm. or <laughs> want to create kind of that side income and that additional income, which is obviously something that I love talking about and doing and seeing other people do, but it, is definitely you know it is a time commitment it's sweat equity in the beginning and I it breaks my heart when I see so many people quitting their job when they don't have the financial capacity to do so and launching into something and let's be honest like businesses are hard they're I, they're, they're harder than a career like hands down
1: <laughs> yes For sure. And that's even what I say is I I joke and say, if someone wants to open a yoga studio, come intern for two weeks with me. And they'll be like, no, I don't want to. (laughs) Because I think that we glamorize, like this. our society glamorizes this idea of, oh, I'm going to go have this uh, very she-she job. I'm going to be a yoga teacher and wear Lululemon all day. Mm. Well, you can't afford Lululemon if you're a yoga teacher, yeah. if you're not smart about it. And so I think it's a trade-off. What are people willing to do? And I I coach people all the time out of keeping their job because they're not willing to take the risk or put the time in or the money in mm. to launch a successful
0: business. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're, you're hands down hundred percent right. Like I just, I see so much of what can I do to make money online. It's like, that's no, no, that's the wrong question. <laughs> it's it's what are you passionate about? What are you committed to doing? What is not going to be something that's fleeting? What are you going to build long-term and what are you prepared to give up? Because it's got to like, something's got to give, like, you know, you got to take it from one area of your life, whether it's time or whether it's money and you can totally put in money but the reality is, most people just aren't willing to put in the money investment in in the beginning, um, which again is also scary because if you're going into business <laughs> and yet you're not willing to spend money yourself, there's a total misalignment.
1: I, I completely agree. I think for me, I remember having this conversation in India with someone saying, "You know, I want some. I want to do something that has more meaning. I want to teach yoga. I want to open a yoga studio." And this woman, she was so insightful and so brilliant. She looked at me and she was like, don't discount what you do. And at the time, I was working on drugs that were seeking to find a, a cure for Alzheimer's, for right. ALS, for you know these big indications for RSV in, in pediatric patients. So she told me that. And I was like, okay. And the irony was, like, we never know how the experience in our life will contribute to our ultimate path. Totally. But right after I quit my job, after our daughter was born, 11 days later, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. And, like, if I didn't have the experience I had from my corporate job, I wouldn't have been able to navigate that system. Yeah. To ensure that he got the best care and to ensure that I was able to ask the questions, to find the thought leaders, to treat him. And so for me, it was a matter of like, okay, how can I navigate this mm. and and make sure that we do have the things that matter? Because in yeah. that moment, like the most important thing was getting him well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My God, you have been through <laughs> some really major stuff in your life. Can I just say, like, I think yeah. that's like, genuinely, there are so many people on this planet that don't even go through a quarter of the same thing and yet spend their life in victim mentality or thinking that there's just no way out and they have a horrible existence. And you just have such a beautiful perspective on life and future and uh, even past and what you can create through so much in, in you know, like honestly in insane events um and I think that's a gift that really is a gift
1: I think so I mean we also we we had a, a child who was stillborn at 32 weeks and <laughs> we would go to our pre- oh my. and he was like really wow. like I know you know and it was it was just thing after thing and mm. you know I had this conversation with God like really like you think I can handle this like you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. But in my business, because of what I've been through, the richness of my life experiences allow me to sit with somebody who's lost a child or yeah. somebody who's lost a spouse. Thankfully my husband lived, but you know, we were right knocking on death's door. Right. Um, I can sit with someone who's had a bad prenatal diagnosis. I can sit with people and hold space for them.
0: Yeah.
1: To have the experience they need to have because I think that otherwise if we don't, it gets lodged in our tissues. Yeah. And it, we try to just truncate it and avoid the uncomfortable experiences of life. And when you dull the uncomfortable experiences, you also dull the ability to feel the highs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't feel the... the there's no polarity. that like You can't have a high without the low because otherwise it's not a high. It's just stagnant. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's completely... And I think a lot of people run from uh, particularly in jobs they hate uh, sitting in that uncomfortable period um, and just want like that quick you know next fix like get me out of it and put me onto the thing the next thing so I don't have to feel this but you're right sitting in it and kind of just allowing it to be there for what it is and being okay with it being uncomfortable for a bit um yeah there's there's power in that well,
1: in the in realizing like the only thing that you can control, you can't control what happens to you. Yeah. You can only control what you make it mean. Yeah. And it's the stories you tell yourself. So you could tell yourself, "Oh, I'm so poor." If you, you know, there's people who think they're poor and they have 3 million dollars in the bank. Yeah. Or 30 million. There's people who think they're poor and they have, you know, or they're rich and they have 30 cents in the bank. It mm-hmm. just depends on, on what we're valuing. It's, I think it goes back to my days in drug development. It's the risk-benefit. So we always did a risk-benefit analysis, and almost in life you have to do a risk-benefit. Anything has a cost. Yeah. Even having a beautiful big house has a cost.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a re- it's a re- I really like that. I want, can you talk about that more, your view on the risk-benefit in life?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a risk benefit to anything. So the risk in having children, like I can use the example of being a studio owner is for me, the risk in owning a studio or the risk benefit or the payoff is I don't miss my daughter. I have one child. I don't miss my daughter's events. So I have 13 teachers at my studio plus me, so 14 and a couple of subs. And I don't like i prioritize being at my daughter's events being at her volleyball games being at her school things mm. being able to take vacation and so maybe i'm not at my studio as much but i get to experience what i value yeah there's people yeah. who value and and i have friends who own studios who say like oh i missed my daughter's play but i told her i'm building a business and i was like that's not how I operate. i mean like, that to me, oh. Yeah. You know, I think I would, like I would never miss a school play. I would never miss a um, a music performance. Mm-hmm. I was at a, a Tony Robbins event in Florida and my daughter's school choir group was performing a Christmas show at home. And I flew home for the night, went to the event and got up at three in the morning and flew back.
0: Oh, Wow. <laughs>
1: Because the cost of missing her performance was greater than the ticket and, you know, the renegotiating with Tony Robbins' team about me needing to be gone for that period.
0: Yeah. It's it's so so true. Yeah, you're right. Putting it, the value and the cost is not the same thing. Right. So if if we're valuing
1: money, Mm. right, a lot of times I think people value the money Mm but what is it that you're going to trade for the money? Are you going to trade your time? Are you going to trade experiences? So like maybe you miss out, like Gary Vee talks about missing out his whole 20s and half of his 30s. That sounds miserable to me.
0: Yeah. I would rather, <laughs> yeah, I mean like. <laughs> I love the guy. I honestly do. Right. But, you know, he is literally, he's a unicorn. Like that's not everyone a can be him or Mm -hmm. (laughs) B can hack it or C not everyone wants that like most people don't actually want that life like he's successful because he works seven days a week like and has done for 30 years like you said
1: right but he put away everything like I work probably seven days a week but I I prioritize like when my daughter comes home from school four o'clock I shut down until about eight or nine Mm. when she goes to bed i have a few more hours i can work yeah yeah i you know so i think that it's that value i value time
0: with my family more than i value dollars completely and i think that's often what gets lost so much the the idea of uh having the money but for what um and you know looking at someone else with whatever it is a ferrari and a Gucci bag and whatever and judging someone on them having it all <laughs> mm-hmm. but you don't know what their life is like you don't know what they gave up you don't know if they're are thirty thousand dollars in debt you don't know if you know they never see their husband or their children like yeah or do you want the life that you want to live by spending the time or whatever it is and that's why coming back to your values is so important like you said yeah getting clear on what you value in your life
1: right you know I think I see I've had clients um, I had one client in particular with a very well off financially um, but her eight-year-old son was killed in a car accident oh. so all of the Louis Vuitton bags or the perfect body didn't matter because this woman was so filled with grief mm. she could not leave her home she would just um, walk in circles. She she just couldn't she couldn't figure out what to do, and so she would come to the studio. Was the only place that she felt safe coming. Wow. And so yeah. you know, like looking at for me, the value of being able to serve someone at that level and to help them get through a traumatic experience um, is is valuable more than. If I had a job perhaps with more zeros at the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's so true, like we're <laughs> so often we don't appreciate the things in our like when we're in good health, we don't focus on our good health. We only focus on wanting health when we're sick. <laughs> and yep. when we have money or we feel rich, we feel wealthy, we don't focus on wealth and Bringing in more money, we only focus on bringing in money when we need it, and so almost every time it comes from this place of lack or this place of I need that now. But what about when you do have it? And yeah, and when that's that's what breaks my heart when I see so many people not living in a state that is aligned with what they truly value and not being grateful for that, uh, and then getting to a point where something will happen and hopefully not as severe as losing your child, but that just changes and it gives you perspective. And I just wish that so many of us could have that perspective and view on life without having to go through. So, you know, something so intense. Um, I don't know if it's possible to. Yeah. I I think
1: that you can come from a place of gratitude and you can appreciate what you have in the moment. Um, and that can can create the space for it. But I think, like you were saying, is what are you going to attract if you're focused on, oh, my gosh, I don't have enough money, I don't mm-hmm. have this, whatever, if that lack mentality is going to attract more lack.
0: 100%. <laughs> it's right. one of the biggest confusions about the law of attraction ever. <laughs> yeah, that it, it only ever really happens from a place of I need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Um, so we obviously, I, I love your perspective on holding space for the things that people go through. And obviously for the people that are in your area, they can come and see you in person. Uh, what is your studio called? Epic Yoga. Okay, amazing. And what if they're not in your city? <laughs> How can they it's find a- you? If they're
1: not, um, I do some, some online coaching and I work with people who are trying to make, what I find is, as we were saying, a lot of times people think, Oh, I want to go become a yoga teacher, or I want to start this heart-based business. And they think that they're going to just put a little shingle out or post on Facebook like, Hey, I'm doing coaching and that they're going to have like 50 people come and they'll be able to have a six figure income. And, a yeah. and I will No, it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> no. So. I work with people to help them get clear on what are their strengths? What will people pay them for and what do they want to do? Yeah. like Maybe, right. maybe somebody makes a mean cheesecake and they can sell it for 40 bucks. Yeah. And then they think like, okay, if I had to make how many cheesecakes to make six figures or multiple six figures, and then what is the cost of my ingredients? And then they start to realize like, well, Oh my gosh, I'm only making $3. You know, <laughs> like when they give themselves an hourly rate. So looking at things, um, In a a really pragmatic way, I also do some work with people to help uh, find some inner freedom. So body-based beliefs control so much of of things. When we get to a pivotal moment in life, it's always, do we take that move for our dream or do we retreat and stay safe? So that playing safe keeps us stuck.
0: And when people
1: can then, you know, recognize that pivotal moment of choice and go into their body and see what's going on, a lot of times it's tied to an earlier memory, and when we can can do some work around that, then they're able to liberate themselves, and they can step into something bigger.
0: Oh, I love that! It's it's so yeah. true. We hold we hold trauma in our in our DNA, yeah, in our in our body. And so, where can people find you? On your website is the best place. Uh, yes, my I have a
1: couple of websites. I have an okay. online yoga teacher training school as well, and that's called oh. Teacher. <laughs> okay. you Okay, teach it's yoga. Teachyogaonline.com. Uh huh. Okay. And then my physical studio is epicyogacenter.com. Okay. <laughs> and
0: then they, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. Okay. Amazing. And I'll put them in the show notes as well. And actually, before we go, I wanted to just talk about something. You just touched on something that <laughs> I really want to quickly explore. You mentioned heart based entrepreneurs. This tends to be this like trend word or I, I don't kind of, I'll be honest. I don't completely, I mean, I get it. Like, yes, of course I get it. But why, why is this like this so-called niche, which I'm sorry, it's not a niche. It's just <laughs> the way you approach being, you know, an entrepreneur. Like it just, why is it a big thing? I think because people feel this sense of passion,
1: like it's something attached to their heart. Right. Um, that they've been deeply touched by. They usually have an emotional reaction to it. Okay. And it's also coming from a desire to help others. And most right. entrepreneurs really want to help others too. But yeah, it's people who feel connected to something and they want to then help others. Right. You know, okay. and, and a lot of times I tell them like, well, maybe that heart-based thing you don't get paid for. Yeah. And maybe you keep your job as an attorney and then you can donate more money to the people in Uganda or wherever you're passionate about. Right. (laughs) You know, I think that there's power and resources and it doesn't have to be, we all don't have to be yoga teachers. We all don't have to be running around writing books like maybe, but I think that it's almost that um, the fear of missing out, like, well, someone's doing that and they're taking these great photos on the beach in Tulum. So I should be doing that.
0: Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's an interesting kind of, um, it's a, its an interesting kind of phrase that seems to just have a, it almost exploded, but mm-hmm. it's just now oversaturated and it's like, well, obviously if you become an entrepreneur you do it from your heart because no one goes into being an entrepreneur, <laughs> not yeah. being led from what they're passionate about. Otherwise there's not like, there's nothing driving you. Um so it's a it's a funny um, niche, and you're right. I think you can help from your heart without being an entrepreneur. Like right, yeah. sometimes even more effectively because definitely,
1: uh, you know, there's things with entrepreneurs. I tell people, I was telling a woman the other day who's got some challenges with her kidneys, and um, I think only has one kidney. On and on and on, that she was feeling like, oh, I need to go do this thing, and I was like, you know, you also need health insurance. Yeah. Um, and in the U.S., trying to find your own insurance with a, a medical condition doesn't happen easily. No. Yeah. Like, it'll be thousands of dollars with a $10,000, $12,000 deductible. Right. So, you know, I think that that valuing and appreciating your situation, whatever it is, yeah, and choosing. Like, okay, I choose to do this and maybe I want to go Open a yoga studio, or op- become a photographer, or write a book, or you know whatever. Start a nonprofit. I see a lot of that. But <laughs> right, you be an entrepreneur and ha- not have a profit too. I yeah. suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> which many <Maddie> do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> which is also not really talked about. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Leanne, on coming on. It's, it's been, honestly, I feel like it's very profound having you on and talking about your experience. And I know I've got a lot of, a lot of it and a, a lot of perspective on, you know, being grateful for life. Um, and I love your view. So thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great to get to chat with you.